You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Kia ora. No mai, hari mai. No mai kite hahi. Welcome to church. This morning, I want to extend my welcome uh, to Jaden's and I uh, wish you a happy Waitangi weekend. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Hope uh, you're going to enjoy uh, this weekend together as a, as a whānau. Hopefully get out. Hopefully we get a little bit of sun. Uh, enjoy that. I had the privilege uh, yesterday of travelling up north uh, up to Morewa and up to Rua Pekapeka, uh with a group of uh, leaders from around the country uh, led by Alfred Naro, um, just looking at the, the story of the gospel uh, in our own nation and the, the heritage of the gospel in our nation is incredible. You know, that uh, Samuel Marsden preached at Oihi Bay in uh, 1814, an incredible uh, gift to the nation of Aotearoa at request of Māori. They, they had an understanding, they had a, a, a grasp of who God was, but hadn't yet heard the gospel message. Samuel Marsden came and preached, and it totally transformed our nation. And uh, we've we got to believe that we are a part of the unity within this nation, that we would be a nation that becomes one, that every single nation would be welcome here. But there's a, there's a lot that we all have a part to play. And it's reaching out, it's learning, it's growing, it's asking the questions, it's doing some research, being a part of that journey. So I'd encourage all of us over these coming years, just continue to press in, get a greater understanding of uh, what God is doing and has done through our nation. This morning we continue on um, from our, our series on love. We're looking at love and especially the great commandment uh, where Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So 613 different laws, he's asking the question, which one matters the most? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been, uh, I guess, looking at these commandments and, and asking the question, what if this is more than just rules to follow? Because to follow all of these rules in order to please God is exhausting. But what if it's more than just rules to follow, but what we're created to do? What if when we wake in the morning, our desire is, because of God's great love, understanding how much He loves us, that our response would be, wow, God, you love me so much, so I want to love you. And in loving you, I'm also going to love somebody else that you put into my path today. And so we've been going on that journey of learning what it means to love in God's love, through His love. So let's pray as we kind of wrap up this series and uh, we go into Anointing Sunday next week, looking forward to, to being a part of that and uh, praying with you, for you, for you and your whanau as you step into this year. But let's pray together. Father, thank you. You have shown us incredible love, incredible mercy, grace that we didn't deserve. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. You extended that, that love through your actions. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead and guide us into truth and an understanding of what love truly is. God, I pray you'd speak to us through your word today. Help us to know how much you love us. Would we know how to love you and also how to love others? In Jesus' name, amen. 
So the challenge to love God and love people, it's a real thing, right? Anyone got it nailed yet? Anybody got it, got it sorted? <laughs> yep, I've, I've achieved an A plus in loving God, loving people. You know what? Some days I do okay and some days I don't do so good. Uh, and, it, and it is a journey. It's not something we will ever achieve. We are disciples. We are followers of Jesus. So we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep learning. We're going to keep falling. We're going to keep getting up again and we're going to go again. But when we have a relationship with God and we understand who He is and we understand who He's created us to be, every day can be a part of that adventure. Truth is, in our own human resource, I don't have enough to love somebody else, let alone myself, <laughs> let alone God. And it's a challenge that we face. And if we don't understand that love first exists in God, that God is love, then we will attempt to try and love in our own strength. We've been reading through 1 John chapter 4, and I, I hope as you've read those, those, those verses that you've been encouraged, that you've seen how much God loves you, you've, you see the love that He has for you, that we can find the capacity to love others within His love. So today we're going to explore the second part of this great commandment, which is kind of two parts, which is love your neighbor as yourself. So love your neighbor, love yourself. These two are actually hand in hand. We need to understand these two together. And at the close of the service, uh, everyone hopefully received uh, some communion emblems, the, the grape juice and the, and the bread. We're going to take communion together. It's going to be practical uh, t together today. And uh, I'm going to give you the warning now. I'd, I'd love you to pray with someone today. Now, if you're here today and you're going, that is not me, okay, permission given to just pop your hand up and go, no, thanks. But it would be our honor and privilege to pray for you. Just in your seat, we're going to pray for one another. We're going to encourage one another as we take communion together. All the introverts are going, oh, no. Sorry, introverts don't even get out of this one. Love God, love people. Even introverts have to love God and love people. I'm kind of a part introvert myself. So um, <laughs> We've been studying this passage in Matthew, but there's a, there's a telling of the story in Luke where the teacher of the law at the end, he asked the question, so who is my neighbor? Just to clarify, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, if I read into this, if it's anything like how I would be asking the question, I'd be saying, so, so which ones don't I have to love? <laughs> right? You know, love God, love people. Now, obviously that means everyone, right? Or, or does it, Jesus? Do, what about those group of people that I don't want to love or the harder to love? Anyone got any of those people in your life or... Oh, everyone love everybody? Yeah? What, what about that guy that borrowed that tool and never gave it back? And What about that person that really upset you? That person that really hurt you? That person that deeply offended you? That person where the thought of forgiving them is actually too much for you right now? Did Jesus mean that neighbor? <laughs> or was it just my next door neighbor? So, so Jesus, to clarify... Just so you know who neighbor is, let, let me clarify. Tell you a little story. There was once a man, a Jewish man. He was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Along the way, he was met by robbers, stripped, beaten, left for dead, everything taken. So he's lying there needing help. And this priest, this pastor, the pastor of Elam, walks past goes, late for church, got to go. Then the temple assistant, or the youth pastor, 
He's like, better beat the pastor to church, right? <laughs> Too busy. He goes right by. Then a third person comes past, a Samaritan man. And at this point, I reckon there was a gasp in the crowd. Because <gasps> we know that the, yeah, thank you. I <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, play along. Because then the Samaritan man, he, he sees the man in need and he stops. He goes and binds up his wounds. He, he treats him. He puts him on his, on his, in his car and his donkey. And he goes and he takes him to an inn. And he says to the innkeeper, you take care of him and I'll come back and I'll, I'm going to settle the bill. At my expense, I will take care of this man that I don't even know. Jesus says, that's the neighbor. I reckon at that point, the, the Jewish crowd is going, oh, really? You mean that guy? I think Jesus was trying to establish the, the one that you, you think the least of. Start there. Start at that place and work your way up. The person that you can't stand because the Samaritan people, they were not worthy of the Jewish time, effort. Even they, they couldn't even get close to them because they were nothing to the Jewish people in that time. The Jewish, they, they were the chosen people. The Messiah would return for them. And so, so a good chunk of the, 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 the population were, were thinking, a Samaritan, really? i got to love that person? So when, when we think, which neighbor are you talking about, Jesus? I just want you to think for a moment, who is it? And sadly, it's, that person's probably coming to mind right now. <laughs> Why don't you take one moment right now? Say, Lord, bless that person. Well, we're probably all thinking of someone right now. God, forgive me for the way I've thought about them. Bless them today, Jesus. It's a start. It's a step. It's not everything, but it's a step towards what God wants to do in our hearts as we learn to love others. Sometimes I'm like, God, I... I love you. I like that part. I have my worship moment with you and love you. Do I have to love the others? Can't it just be you and me and, you know, the four of us, you know, me and Father, Son, Spirit, you know, this is good. God says, no, love God, love people. All people? Sorry. It's not really, I can't read an escape clause in here. Now, it doesn't mean we have to be best friends with everybody. It doesn't mean we have to accept people's behavior who have hurt us and treated us badly. But it does mean that somewhere in God's love, we would find love for others. And that's a hard journey for many. But will we go on it together? So let's jump back into the passage in 1 John 4 because we've been reading about God is love and that we find love in Him, that love begins in Him. But as we read this passage, we're going to see in just a moment that, that there is such a strong connection to loving God and loving others. And I'm actually going to read all of these verses, and it seems like a long bit of, bit of Scripture, but I want to read it in its entirety because when you see it time after time after time, there's a little clue that, that we've been given by John. 
as to what love really looks like. And uh, I think I've even helped you out. I think we've even got, we can ch- chuck that first one up. I think we'll even highlight it. Look at that. I've even made it easy for you to spot them. My dear friends, we must love each other. Love comes from God, and when we love each other, it shows we have been given new life. We are now God's children, and we know Him. God is love. We've established that over the last couple of weeks. And anyone who doesn't love others has never known Him. God showed His love for us when He sent His only Son into the world to give us life. Real love isn't our love for God, but His love for us. God sent His Son to be the sacrifice by which our sins are forgiven. Dear friends, since God loved us as much, we must love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is truly in our hearts. God has given us His Spirit. This is how we know we are one with Him, just as He is one with us. God sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. We saw His Son and now are telling others about Him. That's loving others. God stays one with everyone who openly says Jesus is the Son of God. This is how we stay one with God and assure God loves us. God is love. If we keep on loving others, we will stay one in our hearts with God and He will stay one with us. If we truly love others and live as Christ did in this world, we won't be worried about the day of judgment. A real love for others will chase those worries away. The thought of being punished is what makes us afraid. It shows we have not really learned to love. We love because God loved us first. But, we can, but if we can say we love God and don't love each other, we are liars. We cannot see God. So how can we love God if we don't love the people we see? The commandment that God has given us is love God, love each other. Can you see how intrinsically linked our love for God and our love for people is? And here we see at least 12 times where John is is saying, you got to love one another. And here's a warning if you don't. It's so important that we love one another in order to show our love for others. But the part that really spoke to me this week, and as we head into a time of communion together in just a moment, I want this to sink in. Verse 15 and 16, it says, If we keep on loving others, we will stay one in our hearts with God, and He will stay one with us. If I want to maintain relationship with God, I want to remain one with Him. It's on the basis that I would also love others. I want to show my love for God. I show my love for others. I show my love for people, for my neighbor, for that one that I, I don't really want to be on the list. That's how I show love for God. And, and could it be possible that the one that's the hardest to love, if I were to extend love to that person, would that not show even a greater love and desire and, and, and commitment to my, my relationship with God. Not saying that more love creates more affection from God, but you hear what I'm saying? The depth, the maturity that grows within us when we love somebody that might be hard to love. Now, this is where it gets interesting because Jesus says you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And let me ask a question. Do you love yourself? Now, some of you, oh, yeah, I do. Some, some of us might have a too higher an appreciation of ourselves but I think that's a small number. I would say there's a greater number of people out there that would look at their failures, look at the, the mistakes they've made, 
all the things they're still battling with, the, the temptations they're struggling with on a day-to-day basis, the relationships that aren't quite the way you'd hoped they would. And if you look at yourself and you're honest with yourself, you say, I don't really like myself. I think there would be a good chunk of us that would be in that place of, you know what, I don't really love myself. Now, if I can't love myself, I'm going to have a hard time loving somebody else. Let me explain. If I enter conversations with somebody, so at the end of the service, I enter into a conversation with you, and I'm looking at you and I'm going, I've got to measure myself up against you. I've got to find out where I stand. I've got to find out where my value and my worth is based on, on, on who you are and what you say. And, and what, if, if that's my motivation for the conversation, if I'm trying to establish myself and my presence and my identity through my conversation with you, then I'm going to make the conversation about me. I'm going to spend the whole time trying to one-up you in conversation. Oh, yeah, that's cool, but there was a time when I did this and, and I did that. And I'm going to spend all of my time waiting for your lips to stop moving so I can say the thing that I want to say to lift me up. Now, what I've found is the most secure people I know also seem to be the best at loving others. Quite fascinating. But you think of the most secure people you know, they really love people. Because if I know who I am, then out of that, out of that identity, that's how I treat people. So if I don't know who I am, if I don't know how much God loves me and and the incredible things that he's done in my life, if I don't know and understand that, then I'm going to try and get my validation out of you. And you won't be able to give me what I need. And I'm going to try and suck you dry for everything that you can give me, but it's still not going to be enough because my worth and value is only in what my father says. My heavenly father says, I, I love you. You are mine. So, so I can't even love others until I've learned to love myself. I spent a couple of decades insecure, worried about what other people thought. I went into leadership and I was, I was too young. I wasn't experienced enough. And, and this person told me I need to do this. And this person, need, and, and I would flip from one to the other. And I would struggle in all of my relationships. I looked at other preachers and pastors and thinking, I wish I could be like them. And, and God gave me the gift of an Achilles tendon rupture. <laughs> I came up here following on from Stephen Beck's. And in my heart, I, go, I think I've dealt with insecurity. But everything within me goes, these guys are phenomenal leaders. Why would they want us? So I'm going to get up there and I'm going to preach strong and I'm going to be amazing. And I'm going to pace the stage and I'm not six foot four like Steve. And so I'm going to be big and strong and I'm going to walk the stage. And I turned up with a pig leg, couldn't walk, hobbled onto stage. I kind of look like a pirate. I mean, there was nothing convincing about my appearance. And God sat me down for six weeks and I preached from a bar stool and God settled this issue of insecurity. Here I am, slightly gray, slightly overweight. Actually, I had a goal to lose five kilos. This, this summer, you'll be pleased to know I've only got nine kilos to go. It's all about thinking positively, isn't it? Old joke, but still a good one, right? Slightly overweight, but I am a contented middle-aged man. I like myself. I actually like who I am. I, I, I'm, I'm quite content with who I am, and 
I don't feel the need to impress people like I used to. Now, I'm not saying it's not, I'm, there's still that little bit of me wanting to be pleased, but gosh, it's changed. It's shifted so much to where it was, which means that when I go into conversation now, I'm going, how can I build you? How can I encourage you? What can I speak into your life? I don't always get it right, but come on, could we be that people that actually are okay with who we are? Love yourself, not too much, but the right amount. So that we could then open our eyes to love somebody else. So, how do you see yourself? If you were to look inside yourself, your heart, your mind, your soul, how do you see yourself? Do you love yourself? Do you love who God's made you to be? Or are you questioning his decision? Could have chosen at least another four inches on top of this height. You know, a little bit more hair would have been nice. <laughs> Crooked teeth. Horrible acne. It's tough. But God's made us the way we're supposed to be. We get to celebrate that. Let's celebrate it. This is who I am. God loves me. And guess what? There's a bunch of people around you that love you more than you realize. There's a bunch of people that look at you and go, I really, really like you. And here we are looking in the mirror going, I would like to change all of these things about me. And then the mirror that we can't see, you know, that, that inward mirror where we're looking at the, the things inside of us. We want to change these things. And God's saying, just surrender yourself to me and we'll take care of that stuff. Stop looking at the outward, but, but, but trust me on the heart. Friends, today, if, if you look at yourself and you don't like what you see, maybe it's because you've never fully received the love of your Father. And I want to take a moment right now for anybody, if you have never, never received the love of Christ, if, if you've been chasing everything else except relationship with God, I want to give you an invitation right now to say, God, I want to give my life fully to you. I'm going to pray a short prayer. Surrendering my heart to God. Receiving the gift of grace that God gives through his salvation, through Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross so that the sin that I committed, the sin that you've committed, wouldn't be counted against us. But instead, his grace is extended. A second chance, a fifth, a tenth, a hundredth time, when we would come to God and say, God, I surrender. I choose you to be Lord of my life that's you right now as we head into this time of communion, would you, would you respond in your heart by praying this prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Help me to see that you love me so much that you would die for me. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. Come into my life and make me new by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to chat with you afterwards. And Jaden will talk a little bit about that at the close of the message. But let me explain when we combine the loving God, loving people. If it's about rule keeping, we won't get there. As the team come this morning, as we take communion, the challenge is loving God, loving people will fall short. But if it starts with God's love, 
And in God's love, we then begin to love others. Jesus said the law and the prophets, everything, all those 613 things that you have to do, the Ten Commandments, all of that gets covered. All of that gets covered by loving God, loving people. See, number one, if I love God with all of my heart, soul, and mind, the first commandment says you shall have no other gods before me. Yet if I love God with all of my heart, even the thought of choosing another deity, worshiping another God, and even worse, worshiping myself, giving myself over to to myself and my feelings and my thoughts, if, if I got to that place, then if I love God with my heart, soul, and mind, I I say, no, I choose you, God, above everything else. If, number two, you shall have no no other idols. If I'm tempted to to place my material possessions and the things that I want to pursue, if I I think that those are more important, if I'm, I'm starting to chase those things, God's love for me and my love for Him says, no, I don't want that. I don't, I don't want that. I, I want to give myself to following God. If I love God with my heart, my soul, my mind, I'm not going to misuse His name, the third commandment. I'm not going to misuse His name. I'm going to speak His holy name instead. I'm going to sing His praise. I'm going to declare the mighty name of Jesus. The words that come out of my mouth will give Him praise because I love Him. If I love God with all of my heart, soul, and mind, then I'm going to realize if I don't have a rest and worship, I'm going to burn myself out trying to get all this work done. Anyone feel busy? Everyone busy? We're all busy. So rest. You can't afford not to. You can't afford not to take a break. You know, when we plan our our year out, the first thing that goes in, it's it's not the special events in church, it's our holidays. We, we put that in our calendar because we know we need to get away and rest. We need to rest. People have to rest. You know, the very first day Adam and Eve spent with God was not work. He created them, and then what did God do? He rested with them. They worship that connection. See, those first four talk about my relationship with God. I love God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I won't have any gods other gods. I won't make idols. I won't misuse His name. I will honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Then the next six talk about my relationship with others. If I love my neighbor as myself, guess what? I'm going to honor my parents. Now, maybe our relationship with our parents isn't as good as it should be, but somewhere within us, we can still honor them for bringing life to us. If I love God, if I love my neighbor as myself, I'm not going to commit murder. You go, that's cool. I've got that sus. I haven't murdered anyone yet. Yeah, Jesus took it to another level. He said, if you feel anger in your heart towards somebody, you're on the path to murder. It's a destructive thought. But if I love my neighbor as myself, well, I love myself. I don't want to speak that over me. So why would I speak it over somebody else? Why would I get angry? Why, Why would I let that control me? If I love my neighbor as myself, the thought of committing adultery, which is number seven, I'm going, I love my wife. I love my family. Maybe you're not married. It's the relationships, the integrity that you show to one another. When we love God and we love people, we say, actually, I value their marriage. I value their relationships. And so therefore, I would not do anything that would compromise them. 
if I love my neighbor as myself. The thought of stealing. Man, we had our house robbed once. It was horrible. If you've ever experienced that, it just feels like this violation of the safe place that's yours, and it felt horrible. And if I love my neighbor as myself, that very thought of me taking someone something from someone else, no, I love you more than that thing that I might take for myself. If I love my neighbor as myself, when the temptation comes to lie, to fudge the truth, you know, when it's easier to tell a lie, it's like, no. I hate it when people lie to me. Don't you? Don't you hate it when people are not truthful? They don't tell you that last 10%. It's like, come on, just tell me, tell me what it is that's frustrating you about me. I, I love it when people are upfront and honest. I, I, I thrive for those kind of relationships. I, I just love those relationships. People go, man, you're kind of out of line, Mike. Love you, but you're out of line. I'm like, that's, that's like a warm hug, that one. I'm, I'm blessed to have those people in my world. Come on, we're people that speak truth because it builds relationship. And lastly, if I <laughs> love my neighbor as myself, you got a promotion? Yeah, come on. You bought a new boat? That's awesome. Take me fishing. You know, I'm going to celebrate you. I'm not going to be envious of you. I'm not going to want what you've got. Because what, what, if, what if I got blessed like that? What if that came my way? Wouldn't I want you to celebrate with me that we would share in the joy of, of, of success? Success is, is not an ungodly thing. We shouldn't chase it. We shouldn't pursue it. But if that's the byproduct of faithfulness and stewardship, celebrate it in one another. Let's not be envious of each other. How do we know whether we're getting it right? I reckon it's real simple. I'm not, this isn't my idea. Someone else came up with it. I don't know who to credit to, but Jesus, others, yourself. You want to live a life of joy? Jesus first, others second, and yourself next. Who's the hero of the story when we finish up today? Is Jesus the hero of our story? In our conversations, is, is Jesus the hero of our story? Can, can, can you give a testimony of what Jesus has done this week? See, I, I think it can be too easy sometimes for us to go shallow in our conversation. Hey, how was work and how was, you know, sports or your hobbies? And, and, and that's all good and that's, that's great. But I, I long for the day where we don't need a guest lounge because people would walk into this place. And, and they'll just meet somebody. In fact, I'll be standing there talking with somebody I know and I see somebody walk in and I know what it looks like. When you're coming in for the first time, you're not walking to the place that you know you're going to walk to. All of us are probably sitting in a similar seat to what we did last week. It's just some, some like to buck the trend. But, but we, we all are creatures of habit. So I can tell when somebody's new in church because they walk in and go, oh, oh. They often only get five or six feet inside the foyer. And I'm going, who's going to see them? Who's going to go say hi? And I'm praying it's not just me. I'm praying that somebody's going to look out of their conversation that they're having and go, hey, haven't seen you before. Come and have a coffee. Come and sit by us. I had a church experience last week. Great church. And this is not a criticism of this church. Please hear me. I love this church. We're on holiday and I always like to go to a church I haven't been before because it you feel what it feels like to be new. And I walked into this place and 
I met a couple of really amazing people and I sat next to somebody and we had a good chat and we had communion together. It was amazing. I, I came out of the service and it was, a, it was a big church. And I wandered around the foyer about four times. Big foyer. <laughs> like, I went round and just smiling at people, smiling at people, just, just kind of waiting for that invitation, waiting for that invitation. People smiled. But it's like, so I wandered four times round and then walked out the door and went home. Now, I probably should have butted into a conversation and go, hey, I'm new here, say hi. But that's not my personality naturally. I was given every impression that, hey, talk to me, I'm here. Come on. That could not be what happens here. I pray it's not. If that's been your experience, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't see you. I'm sorry we didn't see you. Sorry that our eyes weren't open to to see you walking in with courage for the very first time. But church, would we be that? We'd be that people that love God so much. But there's enough room in our group to welcome one more. Our, Our youth have got that. You understand that. You're doing it. We love that. You got a circle. There's somebody new. Let's make the circle a little bit bigger. Come and join us. So this morning, we're going to take communion together. We're going to love each other by praying for one another. And the team are going to minister. And as they do that, would you, would you pray with somebody? Would you get alongside them and share communion? Pray for them. Bless them. Ask what you can pray for. And if it's a bit too much, that's all good. You can put your hand up and say, no, thanks. But let's just take a moment now to pray for one another. Take the bread representing Christ's body broken for us. Take the juice representing His blood shed for us. And come, come on, there's some brave people that probably need to just get up out of their seat and go find somebody. Don't, don't pray with someone you know. Go find someone you don't know. Take a moment to get up and move. Come on, get out of your comfort zone. This is important. This matters. This is shifting something in our culture as a church. Let's begin to pray. Minister to one another. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.